I asked Lucy to go down that way because I didn't want her to fall if she went this way because I only want her to fall for me. <laughs> I have had uh, the wonderful privilege of having three great women in my life. Some men don't even have the privilege of having one. But I had a great mother, great praying mother, and then Mary Ann came along and she was a wonderful wife, dedicated to the service of the Lord. And when the Lord took her, he gave me Lucy. I couldn't be happier that God has given me and invested in my life three very precious women. You thank God for godly women. And Lucy and I are a team. We go out together. We serve the Lord in many countries as the Lord opens the doors. We've had some problems with um, countries closing up and putting all kinds of restrictions on. But we're waiting upon the Lord to open those doors. And in the meantime, we're doing things to substitute by going to our supporting churches. This month is, we'll be in three mission conferences. And um, then we're preaching online to over 25 countries, they tell us, are receiving our messages online. And then uh, people who receive them then send them out on their list. So we have no idea how far that goes. And then I Zoom with a missionary out of Canada, and what a blessing that is. In fact, he told me, Brother Getty told me to greet you, and I um, am glad to do that. He's a wonderful missionary in Canada who's carrying on a Zooming ministry. Lucy and I are humbled that we uh, are taking Dave and Peggy's place. I met Dave and Peggy over 40 years ago when I became the pastor of the church where they were members. They were just young married in those days at the First Baptist Church of Inglewood, Colorado. They had their life all planned out. They told me they were gonna get rich, live in a mansion and drive big sport cars. That's what they told me. But all of a sudden, God began to change their lives. And they felt God was calling them into his service. Well, I was excited about that because about that time, God was laying on my heart to do this world missions work. And I wanted somebody that would be a good man to replace me in that church. So Dave became my associate. His wife became the church secretary. <clears throat> and all of a sudden, he came forward weeping at the altar, and I met him. I said, what's wrong, Dave? Well, he said, God's calling me to be a missionary to Chile. I said, no, he hasn't. <laughs> I said, he's called you to be the pastor of this church so I can go. <laughs> uh, but he insisted that God had called him, and 
Our church got half of his support put together. Other churches supported them. They spent 40 years on the mission field doing a marvelous work, training national pastors, helping get churches started. He planned all of my meetings when I went to Chile, all of our training schools. We'd have over 100 people. And he planned all of those things. And now for some years, he has been fighting this cancer problem. And uh, I couldn't love them more if they were my own son and daughter. That's the way we feel about them. And uh, I thought before I preach tonight, I would like to ask all of you to pray for them and pray for Dave in a special way because the problem he's facing is very serious. And I believe that only God can intervene in those situations. And I'd like you to pray as I ask your pastor to come and lead us all in prayer concerning this uh, important matter. <clears throat> Let's pray for Brother Disney. <clears throat> Lord, we first of all want to thank you for your servant. Dave Disney has been a wonderful missionary, and I thank you for the example that he is. And, and uh, Miss Peggy, they're a real blessing, Lord, and they have been to this church, and I know they are to the churches there in Chile. And I know what uh, inspiration he's been to the pastors there and how that you've used him. And so, God, now as he's in a time where he's suffering physically, Lord, we are praying for him. We pray tonight. Dear Lord, that you'd help him as the prognosis doesn't sound good and, and uh, Lord, we're much concerned. But Lord, I thank you that his faith is in you and, and Lord, I thank you that, Lord, you have the ability to heal and to help and we're asking you to do that, dear Lord, and, and trusting your will to be done, knowing that, Lord, you know better than we do and that you're always in control and you're, you're always loving, dear God, and we trust you. Uh, but we lift up your, your servant, Lord, and ask you to help him. And, uh, Lord, help, I pray, Brother Smith, to preach tonight. And I pray that, God, you'd help us, Lord. We need another generation of, of the Disneys, Lord, to go forth into the harvest fields of the world, that type of missionary that would, that would give their all just as they have. They've been that type of an example, the pioneering spirit, the, the effort to get the gospel out, Lord, the... Uh, Lord, just the endurance that you've given them, dear God. And now as they are in a time of need, we just hold them up to you and pray that you might intervene in his life, dear God. And we know that it would be only you that can intervene at this point. And so we pray that you would and pray that you'd help us and help him, I pray, in a special way. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Smith. Well, in the month of May... I will celebrate 68 years in the ministry, and that's quite a miracle for a man who's 39 years old. <laughs> in June, I will celebrate my 39th birthday uh, 49 times. So I've been at it for a little while. It's been a great adventure. Wouldn't take anything for it. If you want an adventure in life, serve Jesus. 
I've gone to places I didn't even know were places. And I couldn't even pronounce their names to this day. But we have seen people saved. We've seen lives changed. I have one whole group of uh, missionary kids who call me Uncle Bill. I have another group older than that that call me Grandpa Smith. So I've been at it a long time. And it's been a great blessing. I'm not going to ask you to stand for the reading of Scripture because I'm going to be delaying that and reading along the way as I bring the message. <clears throat> I'm going to develop a chart on the screen as I preach so that you can see what um, I'm trying to get across. Many years ago, of course, when I became a pastor, I was deeply involved in missions, giving to missionaries, having missionaries in our church, <clears throat> and uh, promoting faith promise missions. And uh, I got to thinking one day as a pastor, when a missions conference was approaching, I'm asking these people, beside their tithe and offering, to give a offering that we call faith promise offerings out of their own personal income because the tithe and offering already belongs to God. We're just obedient when we return it. What he lets us have in addition to that is our property that he's put into our hands and it's by faith that we give out of our property. That's why we call it a faith promise offering. And I thought, I, I'm asking these people to do this. I'm going to have to develop a cause, a purpose, a reason for asking them to give to faith promise offering. So I developed a message that I hope would answer why we're asking, what the purpose is, what the direction is, why there is a cause, and that's what I want to try to bring to you tonight. We have many, many wars that are visible, that we're knowledgeable about, even tonight. Often I go on Google and I ask, how many wars are going on worldwide today? I did that a few days ago. The answer was 40. Can you imagine? 40 conflicts of various kinds going on right now all over the world. International conflicts, civil conflicts. Doesn't count domestic wars that are going on in homes. Doesn't count wars that are going in in the hallways of educational institutions. Doesn't count drug wars that are going on. Doesn't count wars that are burning our cities and looting and killing and destroying property. If you put all that together, and then you can turn your television on tonight and watch war going on live in the Ukraine. 
And we're financing that war by buying Russian oil. <laughs> that really makes a lot of sense, doesn't it? That was a political view of mine. <laughs> so tonight what I want to do is I want to talk to you about a war that's unseen. A war that most people are not aware is going on. A serious war, more serious than all the others put together. I want to show you the worlds that are involved in this world, in this war. And I believe as you see it, you will understand what the cause is, what the goal is, what the reason is for world missions. And I'm going to show you each world, identify them, and then show you the conflict that's going on and where you and I stand in that particular situation. So first of all, you don't have to stand because I'm just going to read one verse at a time. I'd like you to go to the gospel of, I mean, to, to the book of 1 John, 1 John in the New Testament, chapter 5, and I'm going to read verse 7. 1 John, chapter 5, verse 7. This verse identifies world number one. That's the first world I want you to see up here on the screen. Bible says, for there are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, that's Christ, and the Holy Ghost, and these three are one. <clears throat> that, ladies and gentlemen, is the first world I want you to notice. The divine world, Amen. the world of God. And we can even see in the scriptures the image of that world. God shows us his image, and that's important because of what happens later. And I want you to go to the Gospel of Matthew and see the image of the divine world. Matthew chapter 28, and I'll read verse 19. Matthew 28, verse 19 says, Go ye therefore, talking to you and I, the church, and preach to all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. So there we have the image of God. The only image of God that's given is given in the scripture, it's triune. God is Trinity. He is Father, He is Son, He is Holy Spirit. He is one God expressing Himself in three persons. You say, how in the world can that happen? It happened because He is God. And He can do whatever He wants to do. A lot of people say, well, I don't understand how you can have one God and he can be three persons. 
Well, you don't understand a lot of things in life that you accept and believe anyway. I got a car out there. I don't understand any of it except how to start it and how to make it go forward and how to make it stop and how to steer it. And sometimes I get instructions from the lady that's with me on how to do that. I don't understand the mechanism of that thing. I don't understand how electricity works. But just because I don't understand, I don't sit in my house in the dark. I go ahead and turn on the switch and put my faith in the whole system, see? Well, if I can believe in electronics, I ought to be able to believe that God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So that is world number one. Now I want you to go to the book of Genesis chapter one. See, we're gonna cover the whole Bible tonight. And in chapter one, I wanna read verse 26. Bible says, and God said, let us make man. Now, when he said, let us, who's he talking to? Was he talking to women wanting to know how to make a man? I don't think so. It was the triune Godhead having a conversation here. And he said, let us make man in our image and after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea over the fowl of the air and over the cattle, over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. There's been, by the way, a big increase in creeping things during my lifetime. <clears throat> I want you to notice that this is the second world that we're going to talk about, the world of man. How did it come into existence? by the first world, by the world of Almighty God. And how was it done? Uh, did we come from billy goats and baps, bats and baboons and so forth? No, the Bible says that God made man in his own image. Well, what's the image of God? Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That's why I look at each one of you. You're one person with three parts. You are a trinity. And God has so designed his word that it has an effect on the entire person. The whole image of man is affected by the word of God. Let me show you that. Let's go to the book of Hebrews in the New Testament. And we'll look at um, Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 12. Here's a marvelous verse that describes the effect of the Word of God upon the human world, upon man. For the Word of God is quick and powerful sharper than any two-edged sword, right. piercing even to the dividing of soul and spirit. There's one tube 
two parts of you. And the joints and marrow, that's another part of you. And is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. So what are you? You were created in the image of God, therefore you are a triune being. You are father, you are body, you are soul, and you are spirit. You are here only because the first world calls you into existence. No other reason. That's why you're here. Now, I want you to go with me to 1 Timothy, and we're going to look at chapter 4 of 1 Timothy. So I'm not really preaching tonight, just giving a kind of a Bible study to help you see there is a cause, there is a reason, there is a need for faith promise giving. There's a decision to make because of a war that's taking place that most people are not even aware of. In 1 Timothy chapter 4, I want to introduce you to the third world. This is the world of darkness. This is the satanic world. This is the demonic world that's just as real as the human world and the divine world. Most people dismiss that. A lot of parents will even scare their kids by saying, if you don't go to sleep, I'll get the devil after you. Making light of the fact that the devil exists. But he does exist. His world is a real world. I want you to notice this. In verse 1 of chapter 4 of 1 Timothy. Now the Spirit, and if your Bible is a good King James Bible, it's a capital S, a reference to the Holy Spirit, speaketh expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits. And the spirits is a little s indicating another world and doctrines of devils. So you got a third world here, folks. The world of Satan, the world of darkness, the world of demonism. Demons are as much at work today, if not more so, than at any other time in history. I have uh, learned to observe people from how their eyes look. It's an interesting study. When I was the director of the Silver State Youth Camp, a lady brought a group of young people and came in to assign in at the office. I looked at her, and when she left the office, I said to the lady who was working for us, did you notice her eyes? She said, no, I didn't notice particularly. I said, she is demon-possessed. The rest of the week, she proved I was right. I look at certain people 
There's one man in particular right now on the world scene that is seen on television who is waging war. And if you look in his eyes, you see a demon-possessed man. He could not do what he is doing unless he was demon-possessed. Hitler could not have done what he did unless he was demon-possessed. So this world of Satan is a real world. Now, it's a very deceptive world because it tries to imitate the divine world in front of the human world. That's what's happening. See? And if you go to the book of the Revelation, you see what I call the unholy trinity in chapter 20 and verse 10. Bible says, And the devil that deceiveth them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone, where the beast and the false prophet are, and shall be tormented day and night forever and ever. Now that's how they end up, but that's not how they are right now. It, what it does show you is that Satan formed his world as a trinity because he wants to imitate the divine world in front of the human world. And so you have these three worlds in existence. I mean, there is a cause, therefore, because of what these worlds are involved in. The divine world, it is said in Scripture, so loved the world, the human world, that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever, whosoever of the human world believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. So the divine world has a great interest in the world of man, in the human world. He has done everything he can to offer the human world eternal life, forgiveness of sins, escape from hell, that is what the divine world has been doing to affect the human world. But um, the Bible tells us some things about this world of darkness that's trying to imitate the divine world in front of the human world. Because it's always been Satan's desire to be worshiped to be God. He's the author of all these false religions, if you didn't know it. He's the God of all these false religions. It's his way of trying to deceive and destroy and devour the human world. He's got a war going on against you. So, 
you see here a cause. You see a reason. You see a purpose. You see the divine world wanting to save the human world. <coughs> you see the demon world wanting to destroy the human world. Bible says Satan blinds the minds of them which believe not. What's he do that for? So that the light of the divine world, the glorious light of the gospel of Christ, it will not shine to them. Making war on your soul. Now one of the things the Bible does is it calls us to be soldiers of Jesus Christ. If we're to be soldiers, there must be a war. There must be, if there is a war, there must be an enemy. Now, if you look at this chart, you can see the picture. The divine world created the human world, and the satanic world is trying to destroy it. And the divine world wants to save it. So, those of us who are saved, who have received Christ as our Savior, were not saved and immediately taken to heaven. That would have been nice, but it didn't happen that way. God left the saved here upon the earth among the rest of the human beings and planted his church and commissioned his church to become soldiers of Jesus Christ and take the battle into all the world. That's the great commission. Jesus told his disciples, his apostles, I want you to start in Jerusalem and I want you to go to the extremities of the earth the uttermost parts of the earth. What is that? Well, even though the word mission is not in the Bible, a mission is described in the Bible. And the mission is that we are to decide whose side we're gonna be on. Here's the picture, God's world. Uh, human world, Satan's world, the world of Satan wants to devour the world of man. That's what he's out to do. Every country that I've been to, Satan got there before I did. And every country that every missionary has gone to, they have found that Satan has already gotten there. And he's plastered his religions all over those places to deceive man, to misguide him, to destroy him, to blind him. So the child of God has to decide because Satan's world wants to destroy 
the divine world wants to save, you can't be neutral. If you are neutral, you automatically help the wrong world by your neutralism, by your neglect, by your refusal to take sides. The child of God must take sides. The child of God must join up with the right forces. The child of God must become soldiers of Jesus Christ. That means that every child of God needs to get on the right side. That's what faith promise offerings are all about. You have two choices, ladies and gentlemen. You can go as a missionary or you can stay home and send the missionary by your giving. Those are the two choices you have. There's no neutrality in this. You've got to decide where you're going to stand. <clears throat> are you going to help Satan by doing nothing? Or are you going to sign up with Jesus Christ and carry out his commission through either going or giving? That's the cause. That's the purpose. That's the reason. So we're not just asking you to give because we uh, preachers like to ask people to give. There is a cause. There is a reason. There is a purpose in what we're asking. And it's a biblical cause. It's a biblical reason. And to accomplish it is one of the greatest things in all the world. Amen. To be able to go out or send somebody who would snatch souls right out of the grasp of Satan himself and see them born into the kingdom of God. So that's the decision you have to make during this conference this week. You see the world scene, you see the worlds that are involved in this great conflict. You must decide, where am I going to stand? What position am I going to take? Am I going to become a soldier of the divine world and oppose all that Satan is trying to do and give so that the gospel might go? Or am I just going to be neutral and let Satan have his way? Let's bow together for prayer. Our Heavenly Father, we come to you tonight in Jesus' name. We know that there is a serious conflict going on. And that man is the victim if he allows the dark world of Satan to influence him and blind him away from God. We know also that Jesus came into the world and died on the cross. He came as the light of the world. 
He lit up the life of every child of God and they became lights to a dark world. And he commissioned his church to go into all the world and preach the gospel and oppose all that Satan is trying to do. So we pray that thou wilt help every one of us to be clear as to what the reason is, what the purpose is, what the cause is. May we make our decision on the basis of who we want to stand with. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.